Welcome back to the That One Catholic Podcast. You are here with your host, Vanessa, aka That One Catholic Girl. Now, today's episode was inspired by a conversation that I had earlier this day with one of my coworkers. Now, this conversation was not about Catholicism, was not about Christianity, was not even about God. It was about batteries. And I work in an electronics warehouse. So you may be wondering, all right, Vanessa, how could this conversation spark the topic of this video or this audio? But it really had me thinking when I was discussing this conversation with my mom later on this evening, it made me realize that there is a tactic that people could start implementing in their apologetics conversations or just in their day-to-day conversations or arguments that they get with people who don't agree with their side. And I realized early on that this tactic is super, super helpful. And it's something that I wish I knew about when I first started engaging in debates, whether it be formal debates or whether it be just like discussions I would be having with people, family members, random strangers, when we would disagree on a point. And this tactic is to ask questions questions. Ask a lot of questions. One thing that I really love about asking questions is that you can just ask the person as many questions as possible about why did you get that? Whoa, what was that? Where? Where did you get that belief? Or how do you know that? Or where did you read this from? Or what do you mean by that? Simply asking these questions, you don't even have to really know your position or side or know like factual information about your position or side, but you can learn a lot about their side and they could also learn a lot about their side as well. So without further ado, I'm just going to tell the story that happened today. So my mother and I, during our break time, were having a discussion and we were talking about batteries in cars like lithium batteries and how now in the future they want now in the future in the future they want us to move all over to electric cars where we charge them and my mother and I were discussing that with the given science right now it's not a sustainable option and we were talking about how these batteries catch on fire how they explode there's certain rules that like in some places you can't park your car in parking structures if it's a charging car because it is a fire hazard So we were just having this discussion and I was saying, you know what, mom, one thing that I realized about these, a lot of people is that they come up with these ideas, which seem like great ideas, but they never really think about what could happen if moving forward. They figure, okay, we'll worry about the problems later. When the problems arise, we'll address them instead of right now, problem solving, you know, planning for a crisis in the beginning. Now in school, I was really good at doing crisis control. So I think if a crisis did occur, I could, um, well, not I could, I don't think I could figure out anything with lithium batteries. But a lot of people don't have this like crisis control thing where they know how to properly crisis control. And so I was thinking like, we shouldn't have this crisis control mindset where we're going to do something and if a problem arises, we'll address it then. Instead, we should come up with an idea and think about every possible problem that could occur, figure out the solution to those problems, and then implement the idea. So my mother and I are having this conversation, right? And I told you, we work in an electronics warehouse. We work with a lot of people who think that they know everything about electronics, you know? So my mom and I are having this conversation and 
we're having it we're not yelling or anything we're just like having it right next to each other and from like 10 feet away a coworker who was having a conversation with another coworker says to my mother and I "Aw, you guys are so cute and I look at him and I'm just like why and that was my first time in this whole conversation asking a question because instead of going, oh, thank you, instead of like taking it as a compliment, I was just like, you know what, that was, I know that when he was saying, oh, you guys are so cute, he was trying to be demeaning. So instead of like getting all like, oh, what do you mean I'm cute? You know, instead of getting offended, I'm like, I'm going to allow him to explain why he called us cute, right? So I'm like, why? He's like, why what? I said, why are we cute? He's like, it's, you guys are just cute, the conversation you're having. I said. I didn't know it was cute talking about batteries. What what was cute about it? He was just like, well, you guys are talking about batteries. And I, ca- I can't remember the whole conversation that occurred. But he started talking about how much better these batteries are for the environment and how horrible oil is. And oil is this enemy and like oil in our cars, how horrible it is and whatever. And this is a conversation that we probably won't ever have on this podcast about, you know, climate change or not climate change, or global warming, or ice ages. We're probably not going to talk about this on this podcast. So I'm not trying to like annoy anyone. But so this is a topic that I don't know that much about. But I know enough about it to have a little bit of a conversation about it. And if someone were to come to me with more information, I would be very open-minded to learning more. And I did study this topic in college because I had to sell some products in one of my marketing classes. So I had to learn like troubleshooting, I had to learn crisis control for if something with lithium batteries and um, electric cars occurred. So I had to like plan ahead. It was like a, a project. So I had a little bit of it. I have a little bit of information on this topic, but I'm no scientist and I'm not ever going to go into this field. So I'm just learning as I go. I'm never going to pride myself to go like, I know what's best for the environment, know what's best for you and what's best for me. But I can see a idea that hasn't been fully thought through and how it can fail in the future. And if a person who is me, who doesn't know how anything works, can come up with, hey, you know what, in a few years, this could probably cause a problem. If I can come up with a random problem in my head and there's not a solution for it yet, then chances are they probably shouldn't implement this idea until all these dumb little problems that commoners, aka myself, could come up with um, are resolved. So where was I going with this? I totally forgot. So, oh, um, he was talking about the evilness of oil and how it's destroying the earth and oil and this and that. And so then I just sat there and I was just like, well, where does oil come from? And he was just like, I see what you're saying, but oil comes from the earth, which we know, but that's not what oil was here for. That's not what oil's put on earth for. Like oil, I don't know what oil is meant on the earth for, but it's not for us. It's not for cars. So I said, And what is the problem with using oil? Something that the earth has created. What is the problem? And I'm not asking these questions because I have the answers. I'm asking this question because this man was trying to be kind of insulting to my mother and I. And instead of like, you know, mind you know his own business and not eavesdropping on a conversation, he instead was like, oh, you guys are so cute. So I'm like, all right, Mr. Smarty Pants, tell me, tell me. Tell me everything because you know 
because I'm just this cute little puppy right here. I want you to tell me, Mr. Scientist, or give me some more information, you know? I'm always open to learning new things, but do not be demeaning in your process of teaching new things. So I was just like, well, what does oil do that's so bad? And he was just like, well, you know, the environment and th that thing, it produces that, that, that thing, that chem, that chemical thing, you know, that global warming chemical. And I'm like sitting here, I'm like, you mean CO2? Actually, I didn't ask him that yet. I was just like, what thing? Even though I knew the word, I knew he was trying to get to at CO2. I was like, what thing? He's like, that global warming thing. I'm like, I'm not familiar. What, what thing? And he was just like, oh, um, that global warming thing. I was just like, oh, you mean CO2? And then we got into a conversation about CO2 and CO2's effect on the environment and how if there wasn't enough CO2, we would freeze. At least that's what I learned from a study before. Like I said, I'm not a scientist, but this is something that I learned. And if he could tell me that I'm wrong and provide me proper sources to look at, resources to look at, I would totally be up for it. But it was the fact that he was demeaning. And the thing is, is then all of a sudden he was just like, uh, uh, I, uh, well, the batteries and the batteries would be fine. And so then I started asking more and more questions. And so I have no knowledge of batteries. I have no knowledge of electric cars and the effect of electric cars on the earth going forward. I don't know the if exact effect of the use of oil or petroleum on the earth going forward. I'm not a scientist. I don't study this stuff. But I was having a conversation with my mom that my coworker interjected in and acted like he was a know-it-all. But turns out he had less knowledge than I did on the subject. But he put on his big boy pants and was like, I'm going to be rude to these girls and say, oh, you guys are so cute. And so it made me realize that if you're having a discussion with someone, sometimes you could get kind of overwhelmed, like in a debate or you're just having a conversation with someone. It could be about Catholicism or apologetics. And they may say something to you and you may be like, oh my, I don't know the Bible verse. I don't know the, um, I don't know the early church father who said this. I don't even know like if it's in the catechism. I don't even know if the church clearly teaches this. And so you may get overwhelmed. And a lot of people take advantage of that. The fact that you get overwhelmed and start shutting you down. I remember when I used to have conversations with my born again, Protestant Christian family members, when they would talk to me about the Catholic faith and I had no clue about it, it was so easy for them to throw verse after verse after verse after verse at me. And I would get overwhelmed. I'd be like, man, these people know their Bibles. And I don't even know like John 3, 16 fully. Like if someone were to have me say it, I, I'm pretty sure I'd stumble over my words, you know? And so I would get overwhelmed. And that was their tactic. It's called verse slinging. And we see it a lot in politics. We see it a lot everywhere. Maybe it's not called verse slinging in politics because I'm pretty sure they're not slinging Bible verses. At least no liberal politician is probably throwing around Bible verses, at least that often. And so you see this thing called verse slinging and they'll throw things at you to get you overwhelmed. And this is a debate tactic. And I think it may be a fallacy and I think you can call them on it. Um, and they don't want to stick to some point or they utilize the fact that you're getting overwhelmed. And so the thing is, is that if this occurs, what you may want to do or what I suggest you do is dial it back. Say like, whoa, 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 you know what? We'll get to all those topics, but let's dial it back. So you are saying that this Catholic teaching, like let's take like one of the Marian dogmas or teachings, like um, the Immaculate Conception of Mary. 
you're telling me that the Immaculate Conception of Mary is not found in the Bible, right? And maybe right then and there, you yourself don't know where to find the Immaculate Conception of Mary or how to prove it, right? You would go, so like, oh, you're saying that the Immaculate Conception of Mary is not true because it cannot be found in the Bible. But where does it say in the Bible that everything needs to be said in the Bible for it to be true? And then they'll look at verses and they'll bring up verses or maybe they'll be more like they'll know their verses and they'll bring up some that are used to prove sola scriptura, which we'll talk about in a future video. And then you could go like, how do you know that that is the meaning of that verse? Who gave the authority to know uh, to that verse or like who gave, who gave the proper interpretation of that verse and who gave that person the authority to give you that interpretation? And how do we know that that is the proper interpretation? And what would occur if that isn't the proper interpretation of that verse? And so we can like dial it back and take it and make it something that they have to explain themselves simply by asking questions. So if you don't know a certain topic or if you feel like you're overwhelmed, sit down, relax and ask them questions. For instance, here's another example. I talked about this on a podcast that I did with Jake on cutting the Gordian knot. If you haven't heard that podcast, I definitely suggest you check it out. Also check out his podcast entirely. I love it so much. It's so, so fruitful. I love listening to it. But anyways, I told him about this story. My father and I, um, I'm a mother, we were vacationing in Yuma and we decided it was like 113 degrees. And Yuma's in Arizona, by the way, if you don't know. It's like 113 degrees. And we don't have a pool. We live in an apartment. And we haven't been in a pool in like years. So my dad's like, pack your bathing suits. When we go to Yuma, we're going to go swimming. So um, we were in Yuma. And my dad and I at like 10 p.m. at night decided we're going to go swimming. So my mom is like hanging out by the side of the pool. My dad and I are like enjoying the pool. And there's rat like some of the blow up rafts in this motel pool. I didn't say we shouldn't have a motel, but this motel pool. And there was this man. His name was Jim. And Jim looked like he may have had just a little one too many beers. So my dad and I were like, hey, are you doing okay? Do you think it's time to go inside? And he ended up being, like, more coherent than we had thought he was. But, you know, there's that concern. You're like, it's 10 p.m. at night. We want to go back into our motel room. And there's this man who seems like he may be drinking too much or have drank too much. We probably shouldn't leave him in the pool by himself. We should probably tell him, hey, let's all get out of the pool. It's late now. So, anyways, we're in the pool, and this man, Jim, and um, my father and I just start having discussions about random things. He, We ask him where he's from, and turns out he's like, I don't even remember. He's like from this, I don't even know history, I don't know geography, but he's from one of these, like, islands or something that is, like, uh, U.S. territory. I can't remember the name right now, but he was telling us about that. He was telling us about how he was a teacher during the time the world wars were going on. He was 80 years old, which he didn't look at. Like, he looked really good. Like, he looked really young, like maybe in his 50s, 60s. So the man was holding up really well, but he turns out he was like in his 80s. So he's giving us history lessons. And quickly, my father and I realized that we did not agree on politics with this man. But my father, not wanting to create arguments or anything, because why create an argument with someone? This is a nice man. His name was Jim that we just met in the pool. Um, my dad just started asking him questions like, oh, so why do you think that? Why do you think that? Why do you think that? And so we, the man quickly caught on that we were conservative and that we weren't Trump haters like the rest of the people. 
And so we're having this conversation with him and all of a sudden abortion came up. I don't even know how the topic of abortion came up. And he started going like, oh, so you think this about abortion? You think this about abortion? And my dad and I, like, we haven't had any drinks that evening. So we had an upper hand in the controlling of our emotions than um, Mr. Jim had. So um, we just were just asking him questions on his opinions. Once again, we didn't want to argue. And he was talking about abortion. And he kind of like came towards me and started asking me about it because my dad's a man. And so apparently he can't have an opinion, which I thought was funny because Mr. Jim also was a man. So why did he have opinion? But anyways, he's coming towards me in the conversation. And I just said, you know what? I have a question for you, Jim. And he's like, what is it? I said, when do you believe life begins? He's like, what? He's like, oh, he. I was like, when do you believe that life begins? Because my side, the pro-life is side, is very consistent on when we believe life begins. And we believe that life begins at conception. When do you believe life begins? What is the defining line on your side that when life begins? Because from what I have gathered, there is no definitive line. And he's like, huh, you know what? In all of my years of arguing about abortion, no one has ever asked me, when does life begin? And so we just ended up having this conversation with Jim. And then after we went back to our room and my dad and I were telling my mom about this entire conversation because my mom was at the pool with us, but she wasn't right next to us. So she wasn't engaged in the conversation. It was just my father and I. And so we were telling her about it. And my dad's like, you know what, Vanessa? I have to tell you something. He's just like, you are so smart. And I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you, dad. But he's just like, you know what? I also have never been asked that question before. When does life begin? And that point you made was beautiful. It caught him. It had him thinking because Jim was a very open-minded man. Even though he had his own viewpoints, he was very even though he did, he, he wasn't consistent with his opinions, he was open to the fact that we thought differently than him. And sometimes you'll engage with people like that. Lately, it seems like you kind of don't. But sometimes you'll engage with people who actually want to have full-on conversations with you and actually want to learn your side, and that was Jim. And so the fact that I had asked this question made Jim stop and just think. I didn't have to come at Jim with a charts or a graph showing this is the progress of life this is an embryo this is a fetus this is a newborn baby this is this stage in life I didn't have to do that I didn't have to say the heartbeat starts at um at 18 18 days three weeks um see I'm getting overwhelmed with the science but I didn't have to come out with anything really all I had to do was ask him a question. And just doing this, just implementing this tactic into my conversations really, really helps out. And you can utilize this tactic in your day-to-day life. Like if you're arguing with your spouse or something like that, or you're arguing with someone or your friend or something, or for instance, like I see this in movies a lot. Not, I've never met anyone that's ever cheated on anyone before, at least not like at the time or that I knew them when they were cheating on someone. But I see in movies a lot where someone will go like, you're cheating on me. And the person will get all flabbergasted like, what, what? No, I'm not cheating on you. No, Marissa was no one. She was just a friend. I don't remember going and kissing her on the lip, you know, something like that. But instead, the person could just go, why do you think I'm cheating on you? What reason have I given you 
to make you believe that I am cheating on you. Instead of admitting fault, not that you should lie. Maybe cheating is the worst example I could have used. But instead of admitting fault or getting all defensive, ask questions. Why do you think that? Why, what have I given you to believe that? Or where did you get this information from? Why is this person a reliable source? Who is this person to me or to you? And just start asking questions and it will have them almost having to come up with the answers in their own mind. So once again, do not cheat. That was probably a horrible example. But that is a way that you can probably, not that you, but a person could implement just asking questions in their daily lives. Ask your professors questions. Ask people who act like they know it all. Ask them a lot of questions. And maybe they do. Maybe they do know it all. Maybe they do have the answers. And then you'll learn something new. Or you'll learn a new place to go get some new information from. Or if they do know what they're talking about, at least you could go like, wow, okay, this person and I may have differing beliefs, but at least they are a educated belief, an informed belief. There we go. Um, versus just having a belief and going like, well, my professor said so, or this is how, this is my truth. It's my truth. I hate that. I hate that. My truth. What What do you mean your truth? I hate that phrase. You know what? Going into 2023, because we're almost done with this year. I know it's only April, but this year is going to go by fast. We're about to hit summer, and it's going to be fall, and it's going to be winter, and then we're going to be in 2023. What year are we in? Yeah, 2022. Yeah, we're 2023. Let's get rid of the phrase, my truth. All right. Uh, sign my petition. I'll have it linked down. I'm just kidding. I'll have a link down below. Sign the petition. Get rid of the phrase, my truth. Since now we can tell people what they can say and what they can't say, what you can be called, what you can't be called. Oh, all that stuff. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully I didn't ramble your, off your ears too much. I don't even know if that's a phrase. But hopefully you are able to implement this tactic into your day-to-day life, into your conversations, into your debates. You know, if you're ever in a conversation, think about that you guys are doing a cross-examination. And if you ever want to see people properly use the question time of asking people questions, go to debates and go to the cross-examination section of that debate because a lot of the times they're asking such simple questions, but it derails the whole person's side by like, you said this, correct? Yes. And you believe this, correct? Yes. So then this would mean you believe this. And then they go, wait, no, 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 no. But it's, they lack consistency. So you want to break it down into little sections. And maybe you'll find some common ground just by asking some questions. So guys, I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. Thank you so much for your love and support. If you guys can, give this video a like if you're listening to it on YouTube. Or give it a high rating if you're listening to it on any other platform that we are on. The ratings really, really help. And if you think that this episode could help out someone else... Um, please share it with them. I love you all. I'm praying for you. And I'll see you guys in my next podcast episode. Bye-bye.